Hello, I'm Steph. And I'm Al. And this is The Source, a podcast from Chicken and Chips Casting. Conversations with people we love, talking about things we love and hate or feel strong feelings about. And it's all no BS. How Hello. are you, Steph? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? I'm good. It's a beautiful day. And I can't wait to get the fuck out of here and go for another swim. She says, even though she's completely enjoying her time with me. Yes. Oh, no. Yes. Oh, <laughs> yes. Very much so. Uh, I, I meant, I I meant the indoors, it. you know. Yes. Get outside. I'm keen to jump in the ocean. Yes. Um, What's your source for the week? Ooh, my source. Um, I've got two things. Ooh. Um, the first thing is today marks four weeks of no coffee for me. <gasps> Congratulations. I know. I feel like a changed woman. How do you um, feel? I feel so good. Like I right. am. I am. I haven't had a break from coffee since. I was pregnant with Ziggy mm-hmm. uh, and I was forced off it because uh, the smell of it made me feel like I wanted to spew. Mm. Um, but I feel great. I don't I, – I feel like I can bounce out of bed in the morning and all that shit, you know. Um, and so. for our listeners, what are you drinking as a replacement? Oh, I'm drinking um, – I'm drinking this adaptogenic mushroom – latte cacao blend um by my coach recommended it and he um it's by hybration organics uh it's really good there are like three kinds you can do like a morning during the day or afternoon and like a nighttime one and they've all got Mm. different types of uh magic Mm. mushrooms in it to make you you know be in like flow state versus like calming state those adaptogens are good for your um nervousness nervous energy right yeah yeah good for dealing with stress correct yeah i have a reishi mushroom at night yeah well these ones have like all all sorts of different ones in it yeah yeah i wanted to try one at a time and see what it did for me and then like try another one and see what that did to me yeah Anyway, I feel very relaxed and have had no form of anxiety or um, what I, well, no, I would associate with rushing woman syndrome, which is definitely what I had when I was um, drinking coffee. And I only drank one a day. Yeah. So it's not like I was some form of, like, was just yeah. drinking heaps of it. It, it just, But the four o'clock thing really affected me. I'd get to four o'clock and I'd be some ball of like anxiety and couldn't right. focus and yeah well that's good that's mm. a very positive outcome yes so there's that and then and I just don't know I don't know whether I'll ever reintroduce it or not but um yeah and the other thing is is that I am now just doing 21 days of no booze oh heavy do 21 days of no booze you know I really am going to miss the uh, Friday afternoon beverage in the sun this afternoon, but, you know. Yeah, it's brutal. But I think you're – I think that's fun. Yeah. I mean, not fun. That's not for everyone, but it's good for you. It's so funny, though, because I told um, – I've told a couple of people, not everyone. I mean, now I'm telling everyone, so I have to be accountable. Um, but I told one of my mates and he was like, oh, I've never really understood why people do that. And I'm like, why does it make people feel so uncomfortable when other because people they're say they're not in, drinking? It's because they're insecure that they're not doing it or they don't think that they can do it. Mm. It's out of the sheer fear that they're not and can't. Yeah, it's just so – it just makes people feel so uncomfortable. Yeah. I don't um, get it. Just like I don't get it either. Empower people to do good things for themselves. Yeah. And, like, he could probably do with some time off booze. Well, that's their, their, That's why. <laughs> Exactly my point. He knows that he can't and he won't. So he feels very insecure about that. <laughs> yeah, anyway, they're my two things. So they're um, huge. what are yours? 
Well, I've only got one. Okay. But I need to start only... coming with just one. Yeah. Yeah, I think you can only have one. But I'm very appreciative of both of yours. Um, I Mine kind of negates yours, but I think my source this week has been the um, just alcohol. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> is the ability to um, picnic. Ah, uh, yes. Really enjoyed the picnics this week because I live – around the corner from my sister and brother-in-law and Riley's cousin and we've been able to sit in the park and at the beach of an evening and we've had some nice evenings Mm. and we've taken some like snacks and a Prosecco and sorry to rub that in. Um, Yes, that's okay. That I reckon has been a real nice treat this week. I've really savoured that and we've let the kids run around and oh, actually one of the times we did have dinner down there and it was just a real, it was a real treat. Ah, that's lovely. Yeah. Everyone's th- um, everyone's going off for the picnic. They are. It's crazy, but um, I think that's been a game changer. I personally haven't done it yet, but I've taken I've taken the opportunity to just sit on the beach. Yeah, <laughs> and you can. Yes, I'm allowed without to. feeling guilty. Yeah, nope. just with everybody else in Coogee. Yes. <laughs> anyway, my that, that's the yeah my source is pretty basic and probably similar to everyone else's in Sydney at the moment, but um. Mm. And negates your health kick, but because as you yeah. know, I I drink like you know every day. I probably wouldn't have had a booze free day since before lockdown. So yeah, I that's just, where I was at for a while. Yeah, so you know, I just needed to uh, have a bit of a reset before summer because Good. you know. Well, I'm happy for you. That's a free for all, and you've got my full support. Thank you. Thanks. You're welcome. That's very good. Oh. <laughs> this episode of The Source is brought to you by We Audition. We are big fans of this platform and we plug it relentlessly in workshops and with actors. We hear so often actors can't find a scene partner for their audition and this is the immediate solution. It's a global platform that helps you find a scene partner on demand through video chat for rehearsals and self-tapes worldwide. So if you need an accent or just decide to tape at 2am, We Audition is where you'll find someone. It also enables actors to meet casting directors, agents and industry experts for one-on-ones through video chat. Sign up for a membership to access actors and industry professionals all around the world. You could also be a reader for other actors, which is a great way to continue practicing and playing with scenes. We're offering our listeners a 25% discount on your membership when you use the code SOURCE25. That's S-A-U-C-E-2-5. Head to weaudition.com to sign up. Source 25 for your discount. We're excited for our next guest. We are. It's going to be very, it's going to be, this is going to be a very exciting chat. This um, is a good one. Yes, we've known this person for Not actually that long, to be fair. They came to us as... Uh, we were recruiting for a casting assistant and I remember them walking in the door and the first time I saw them I was like oh my god this is my spirit person yes oh my goodness yes I've had so many moments with them where I've literally stopped in my tracks I remember so vividly bonding over Miley Cyrus yes it was a big moment for me. I basically dropped my mug to be like, stop it. You love her. We all love her. Yeah. Anyway. Um, but we wanted an assistant to help us specifically with more street casting projects. Sandy McIntyre is a non-binary queer identifying person based in the inner west of Sydney. They work as a television producer and whilst in this role, they found that in each show they produced, there was minimal LGBTQ plus representation. Because of this, Sandy decided to start their own website, Queerful, a space to tell queer stories, share queer experiences and educate not only those within the community, but those who are cis, heterosexual and may have some questions unanswered. Sandy's core focus is authentic representation within Australian media. Most recently, they finished their contract at a leading television network where they worked as a casting producer, celebrity producer and held multiple gender diversity presentations, advising the network that we can create inclusive content for Australian audiences. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. We are so So glad to have you. Goodness, to think where we came from back in 2009 to now, I'm so proud of you. (laughs) 
was it 2019? Yeah. And we were just talking about that. I was like, yeah, it was two years, surely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He popped. Yeah. You we... popped into our office when we were at, when we'd advertised for a casting That's assistant. Right. Because I. Right, because I was like emailing profusely to all these different casting agencies, and you're the first one that wrote back, and the only one I wanted to write back, to be honest. And <laughs> it was the best experience. Oh, yeah. Well, we were just saying before Steph was saying when you walked in, you were like our spirit animal. We were just like, yes, <laughs> we love and just stay forever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, Aww. which is really nice. And we were so excited because also we we really froth on people that are organised but, like, mo- like equally motivated but more organised than we are. So as soon as we see someone like that, we're like, yes, <laughs> for us. Oh. I mean, particularly me because I've got none of my shit together. <laughs> oh, we try our best, Al. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, we've introduced you. Mm-hmm. Do you want to give us a little bit of a about you in your way? Tell us about your story and you. Who are Baby you, Sandy? Who are you? Actually, no, we forgot. What was your source of the week first? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I moved into my own apartment in January and I've been really focused on getting pieces that I really love. So after seven months of being here, I finally found, found a rug on Marketplace to make my space just like perfect. So that's my source of the week. Yes. I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that. Actually, I did see that on your Instagram yes. and I was really vibing the style. Yeah. It's so cute. Loved it. Thank Love you so it. Much. And you got it on Marketplace. 100 bucks. And like wow. similar ones were like a thousand. I'm like, this is Marketplace is it. Thank yes. You. I love Very Facebook savvy. Marketplace. It's the best. Yeah. It's yeah. the best. But um, yeah, about me. Okay. Yes. Um, so I'm Sandy McIntyre. I grew up in Western Sydney in Campbelltown. So I think being from the Western suburbs is a major identifier for me. I think there's a lot of hustle and fight out there and so basically i fought my way to where i am now um i changed my name at the end of last year to sandy from alex and basically um that was a real uh, it was a real change in my life because i really stepped into my identity my non-binary identity and i found a lot more confidence going forward um i as you say, I'm a TV producer. I've been working in TV for the past five years and started as a casting as AP and then moved across to film producing, studio producing, digital producing, and, and back now in casting again, which I love. Casting is like my jam, much yeah. like you. You're yeah. so good at it. Thank so you. Good at it. Yeah, yeah. we love it. And you've done some interesting casting because you've done a lot of reality TV and very hit the ground street casting kind of thing. sure yeah like the first job i did was ninja warrior and um which was gorgeous for my little queer identifying self (laughs) muscles Um, and then i went to bachelor and bachelor in paradise and um a bunch of other reality shows but my favorite one was definitely the living room because it was much more real you get to talk to real people and find out their hardships or their motivations and uplift them um, in a way that is, yeah, really special. That seems like you're finding people that are very story focused versus you look a certain way. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And you can just go deeper, which is so much more fun. Yeah. Cool. I love that. Mm. Um, So then that's, I love what, tell me more about your childhood and your parents. And obviously you've been through a lot of changes lately in your life, but this has been a long journey for you. Um, yeah, what's for that sure. been like for you? Um, it's been, it's definitely been a journey. Uh, so I have two amazing parents. Uh, Mum and dad have always been so supportive of me and really encouraged me to have dreams and chase those dreams. Uh, which I know a lot of other people don't have. So I'm very fortunate for that. Um, But in saying that it was really difficult for me to grow up in that kind of space because it was very heteronormative. And I think trying to be a queer person within that kind of area 
is challenging and you don't really see any sort of representation on the streets, on TV, anywhere. Uh, so a lot of the time in my childhood, I was really hiding the fact that I am queer and I am non-binary and just for a matter of surviving, I guess. All through high school, I was dating girls and um, being a, like, at the same time, I was a drama kid. I went to performing arts high school and was the most flamboyant person. So I'm surprised I had any girlfriend, but um, it was a big challenge for me just to kind of really find my feet and run with it. And when I was 18, my mum unfortunately passed away. So that was a massive spanner in the works because the one person who gave me all this confidence was now gone. So it's really taught me how to be independent, um, don't sweat the small stuff and just make sure that whatever I'm doing, it's for me. And I think that's the biggest lesson I've learned is just to make sure that each thing I do is going to benefit me. I know that sounds selfish, but we need to be selfish when we come to ourselves um, and not let anyone tell you different, especially with um, a lot of people I grew up with they wanted to change certain aspects of myself. And after my mum passed, it was very much a situation of, well, the one person that I loved is now gone. So fuck you if you're gonna tell me different because I know what she wants me to be and I know what I wanna be. And so that's what I'm gonna do. And I think um, growing up, it was just difficult, but I wouldn't change it for the mm. world because it's definitely made me who I am today. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I love that. Yeah. That's so powerful that you found the positive in such a, you know, tragic, challenging, challenging time for you. Yeah. Well, like I always say I was so lucky to have my mum for 18 years because my dad, his mum is still alive and she has done nothing for him, you know? So I am so fortunate to have someone to guide me for 18 years, show me what kindness is, show me what it means to be a good person and to go for what you want. And that's really lucky because a lot of people don't mm. have that. And yeah. yeah. That's a super interesting thing because I, I, I heard this thing recently where it was talking about um, when you become a parent, you become immortal, which is super strange. But like you talking about your mum like that, is that immortality for her? Because what she left you with as her legacy is for her sure. immortality. It's, it's so lovely. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so you said before that you grew, as you were growing up, you knew that you were non-binary. Um, what was that like for you? Because I feel like without sounding, I don't know, stupid, I'm not stupid, but like mm. non-binary has been a, not a new thing for everyone, but maybe in everyday culture, slightly more new. Um, so what was that like for you growing up and discovering that? Um. Well, I don't really think I had the language up until two, three years ago, um, but I always knew I was different. I would always, I knew I wasn't a woman, but I would stare at myself in the mirror. I'm like, am I trans? Am I a trans woman? Am I going to be like bashed every time I walk out on the street? Um, I used to like cry and look in the mirror and say, just please be bisexual, like just please. And I think, um, due to the lack of representation, you feel as though this is a burden on your life. And so you will do whatever you can during that time at 12, 13, 14 to change that narrative and be who you think other people want you to be. Um, so I think uh, going back to your question, it's it was tough, but um, as of, I guess, yeah, three years ago, I, being non-binary to me is just living your truth. And I think that's really hard to live your truth because in doing so, other people feel as though you're taking something away from them, but you're not. You're just want to exist in your life the best way that you know how. Next to somebody who is cis, straight, male, while he's doing his thing and living his life. And I think we can do that together. But at the moment, it's very much... I'm trying to take something away from them, which is not the case. Yeah, it's weird how people feel threatened when someone does something for themselves or lives their life the way they want to live. 
Mm. Right? When it actually just doesn't impact them at all. No. Has, it has no, no bearing on, on their own life. Exactly. <laughs> I find it thing. so frustrating. It's so frustrating. Like even if I just go out in the street, like immediately somebody feels they have the right to say something to me, whether it's um, faggot or you fucking freak or like, you know, anything like that, they feel as though they have the right because I'm just living so authentically. They're mm. like, oh, shit, I need to tear that person down immediately mm. to make sure that they know I'm still in charge or I know what's mm. right and you're wrong. Um, oh, my really God, those people different. must be so deeply insecure about yeah. themselves. Like, That's it. I know. That's just sad. It's got to come from their own place. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, which must be really hard to frame that when you're actually getting abused. Like, I mean, oddly, if I don't get abused, I'm like, oh, my God, am I not dressed outrageous today? <laughs> like, what's going on? I need to, like, mix it up. I need to <laughs> put some lippy on. Um, so, like, I'm just so used to it now. It's not like a, it's not a scary thing to me at all. It's um, It's unfortunately become my norm. But I think that's what's so beautiful about non-binary people is the world seems to want to stare and interrogate and investigate. And I think there is interest there, it's just they don't understand that interest yet. Mm. And in mm. time that will come. Um, mm. But, you know, just live your life. Wear that bloody skirt and those high heels, I tell you. Yeah, well, I want to yeah. talk about your fashion because I am a huge fan of your non-binary lookbooks on your Instagram. Yes. Um, and we'll put your social handle in the um, podcast synopsis so that people can go and follow you because I love looking at all your different looks yeah. and choosing oh, my favourite. <laughs> it's such a good time. Um, oh, but I guess what role does fashion and style play in your life and how, you, how important is it to you in the way that you express yourself? It's always been important to me. Like even as a five-year-old, I remember wanting to look a certain way and mommy to take me shopping. And I was obsessed with waistcoats at like a five-year-old. So I would have like all these different waistcoats that I would wear to different functions. And I just felt like I was the most gorgeous person in the room. And in lots of ways, I feel as though my clothing is my armor. Um, it allows me to express myself in a way where I don't really need to say anything at all, you know? So, um, I find a lot of inspiration in colour. I think that just brings me joy. Each morning is my favourite part of the day when I get to select what outfit I'm going to put on because I think it just really sets you up for the what mood you're in, what you want to accomplish, how you want the world to see you and how you want to see yourself in that world. Um, and I have a strong Scottish heritage, so I'm obsessed with kilts. And I, I love it. Love, I love it too. And I think what's so fun about wearing kilts for me is that it's so typically masculine but it's so feminine as well and I think just um for me it's evolving the kilt taking away that masculinity and putting my feminine side to it and um or putting my feminine side into it and enjoying being free I love how well you pull off a kilt my high school uniform was a kilt and I didn't rock that well (laughs) Oh, uh, I'm sure you did. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm like, damn, why didn't I look like that in high school? Like, I just look kind of frumpy and awkward. Oh, well, that's not so for me. Well, that's okay. Um, all right. Well, let's talk about pronouns. Mm-hmm. Um, your pronouns are he, they. Correct. Can you let us know why you use that combination of pronouns? Um, and for, for people that might be educating themselves on pronouns, why it's important to use someone's correct pronoun? Of course. Um, so... At the moment, I'm using a combination pronoun, uh, which is he, they, and it's kind of allowing me to step into my non-binary identity within the time frame that I feel comfortable in. Um, I also feel as though having a combination pronoun allows me to still be in spaces uh, where I can talk about my identity and not feel as though people are going to be scared to misgender me yet. 
Um, so it's definitely a strategic thing as well. Um, but a lot of non-binary people are different, each is case by case. But for me, having they, he as my pronouns is allowing me to really understand who I am before I just take that big step into they, them. And um, it's a beautiful journey. And I'm so fortunate that I get to go on this. And I think it's important for people to respect pronouns because why wouldn't you? Mm. If, if, if someone is giving you that gift of saying, I'm non-binary, these are my pronouns, they're inviting you into their life and they want to share their life with you. So just respect it. It's same if someone says, my name is Timothy. I don't want to be called Tim. I just want to be called Timothy. Yeah. We would respect that. And we would say, of course, Timothy, I love that for you. That's what you're going to be known as. Um, and it's the same thing with pronouns. If we tell you how we want to be um, referred to, then just respect it. And I think a big conversation at the moment is why is it important to have pronouns within email signatures if you're a cis person? And that's purely because we want to make sure that when we're emailing you, we know that you um, respect and you understand what it is to be gender diverse. You are an ally. You understand that there are genders outside of the binary. And to see that is so important for me. It's like honestly makes me feel warm inside um, just because I know I'm in a safe space. Yeah. 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 Mm. Great. And so what, well, sorry, you go. Well, I was just going to go into, because you were speaking about allies, um, mm. I wanted to know from your perspective then that that is obviously one way of being a good ally, but are there other ways, um, in your opinion, that someone can be a good ally? For sure. I think there's so many different ways, but um, if I guess a first step is if you are cis and you have a colleague or a friend or a sibling who is non-binary, um, I think it's important to correct people when that non-binary person is in the room. Like that's step number one. Just say, oh, sorry, it's actually they, them, or it's actually Sandy or whoever. Um, so just stand up, be in the room, be our voice for us when we're not there. Um, that's a major point. Um, showing up, you know, like whether that's to rallies or, or to Mardi Gras or just appreciate the LGBTQIA plus community without um, taking advantage of it yeah. is another massive way. And understand our history. It's not hard to do Google, find out where the trans leaders came from, who were they, um, what did they do for the community, and just do your homework because the LGBTQI, sorry, LGBTQIA plus <laughs> community aren't your teachers, they aren't your educators. Yeah. They can give you the information if they feel like they want to, but it's not their responsibility. So no. if you want to be an ally, do the work, babes. Yep, mm. agree. Yeah. yeah. Solid agree. I'd sort of back on on that and back on the pronouns thing. I often find myself, well, I wouldn't say often, but occasionally you find yourself in conversations with people when this comes up and there's a sort of blanket comment that people make of like, I just don't get it. I don't get it. I don't understand. Where's the line? When do we just, when do we get to stop just picking who and what we are? But, and I find myself really struggling to articulate it because I'm not someone who lives in that community. So it's like no one wants those, those people don't necessarily want to listen to my opinion on it. Mm. Um, but what would you, what do you say to people that just don't get it? I would say you don't have to understand us in order to respect us. Yeah. That's Number what I one. say. I'm so glad I say the right thing. Yeah, <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> yeah because it's, um, it's just facts. Like, I don't know who, the person across the street is, but I'm not going to question their identity if that's how they wanted to identify. Um, and then again, do your homework. If you did your Googles, you would see that trans non-binary people have been existing from day dot. And generally they were the gods and goddesses and the people that a lot of society looked up to. Um, so I think that, I mean, I hate to say, but white culture definitely killed mm. a lot killed off a lot of the non-binary community and they wanted to erase us. So I think now that we have a voice and we are not backing down, people are a bit scared. And it's kind of like, if you don't agree with they, them, then like, 
my God. It, yeah, it's back to that thing <laughs> of like you, your job isn't to understand it, it's just to accept it. And exactly. But I if think it's yeah. not impacting you, just let everyone live their lives. Yeah, with yours, absolutely. Let them live theirs and move right along. Yeah. I think a lot of people act out of fear because they're not mm-hmm. educated. Mm-hmm. So if they just did the, did the work and actually researched it themselves rather than relying on other people to do it for them, then they wouldn't have those opinions and they would rely, understand. Yeah, they rely on just having a heated conversation about it with exactly. someone that they know is an ally, but they just go and push their buttons and you're like, that's not the way to educate yourself. Exactly. No, it's and it's pushing someone's buttons. It's true. And they feel like it's a personal attack. Like I'm not yeah. attacking you because I'm living my life. Like no. um, I think that's comes to TV and film is representation within media. Obviously, there haven't been enough representation in regards to trans and non-binary people because people still don't understand or are afraid to talk about it um, in fear of messing up. So I think that's a major step is cast those people, create those stories, and so the wider community understands who we are and learn to love us because we're beautiful. Okay, so as a mum, I'm constantly parenting Ziggy to question gender norms and that's why my ex and I chose the name Ziggy because we were actually going to call her, her Ziggy regardless of what gender she was born I as. I love that. Um, it, I just What I find so amazing and also weird is that how kids recognise genders so early on and how they identify when they're young. So currently Ziggy fiercely identifies as a boy and has always loved the colour blue over pink to the point where none of her clothes are pink at all, will not buy into it at all. Um, And I'm always just like, you do you, kid. I've never flinched or tried to correct a stranger for saying, you know, boy or girl when in conversation um, or anything like that. So I guess my question is... How can parents be more supportive of their kids' journey in life from the get-go rather than prescribing to a gender norm? And um, how do you think your upbringing helped with embracing your identity? Because I know that your mum supported you from very young and allowed Mm -hmm. you to embrace yourself, uh, you know, embrace yourself and express yourself. So how can parents do that and support their kids? That's a huge question. Um, Mm. So I think, oh, you're making me think here, guys. (laughs) Well, I'm constantly thinking about this. Same. Yeah. Yeah. Because Riley, my daughter's the same. She refers to herself as a boy, but dresses whatever, but often Mm. wears a tutu. But she's always said boy and he and him, and that's how she refers to herself. Mm. But I I never know the line at which you you correct out of correctness of the English language and whatever versus just teaching them to be curious and yeah yeah well I guess um is it that study when kids reach a certain age around four or five they begin to really step into their personality yeah um and I think a parent's the best thing a parent can do is just trust their kid yeah if if that kid wants to express themselves in a way that is going against what their gender is at birth then trust them, let them run with it. Um, a great thing that my mum always did was just let me wear the tutu. She would buy me Barbie dolls. She would buy me cute little dresses. And yes, I could wear them around in my house and at my family's place. But I knew that, for example, my dad wouldn't like me to wear it to a, a friend's party from school or at my brother's soccer game. So I think instead of limiting your child or making your child feel like what they're doing is naughty is saying, you look amazing in that skirt. Oh, my God. Yes, wear it to your brother's soccer game and just encourage them to be their true self because once you encourage them from an early age, their confidence is going to be, yeah. like, unbreakable. Hmm. Um, so I think trust. The, the, that child knows themselves better than anyone else will. And if you start drip-feeding them gender norms, then that's going to confuse the shit out of them. Hmm. Um, so I make sure that they are watching 
inclusive television programs. I know that a lot of TV kids' TV shows at the moment are introducing non-binary characters and LGBT characters. So embracing that, not be afraid to have those conversations if they ask. Like I had a lot of parents um, say to the kids, oh my God, don't say that when they ask me, is that a boy or a girl? And they immediately shut down that conversation. I think encourage that conversation. Say, well, we don't know what gender they are and you shouldn't assume. Yep. So once they have that kind of language and knowledge from it early on, they're going to be great, beautiful individuals. Um, and that's a lot to thank for the parents for giving them those ideas, which I think you both are doing, which is amazing. Mm. Mm, interesting. Yeah, mm. I feel like I'm... I really, yeah, I really like that, the like trusting them thing because I've mm. taken it upon myself these days to let, like I leave Riley to her own vices to pick what she wants to wear because usually yeah. it mm. just becomes this monotonous like put the nappy on, pick some clothes out, get dressed, get out the door, whereas now it's like, no, you know what, take your time and you meander yeah. through your wardrobe and you just pick whatever ridiculousness you want to wear and if you think those bluey socks go with that tutu, then you do you, girl. Like I, Exactly. Just, <laughs> and she feels so over the moon for the whole day because of the ridiculous outfit she's wearing. Like she just loves it and she proudly struts around, look at my bluey socks. <laughs> yeah. That's so cute. Yeah, like... It well, actually does change it when you do trust them with basic things. Exactly. And my friend, he's a, a gay parent and he has twins. And what he does in the morning is he sets out like three options for each uh, child. And so you can do whatever you want, mix up these clothes if you want to, just to, so um, they can have a creative, they can have creative freedom when they're picking their yeah. outfits, which I think is a really cute idea as well. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Ziggy has always been fiercely... Um, uh what's the word strong-willed when it comes to choosing outfits to the point where I actually had to call my mum and be like I need to buy her summer wardrobe but I'm afraid to buy it on her behalf because <laughs> um I know for sure that she will just not wear any of it so I have to go online shopping with her that is so, so that she can pick what she wants to buy oh yeah. my god yeah I love that. Look at Ziggy. She's wild. She has a very, yes, well, she's like me. She's, uh, I don't call it stubborn. I call it strong-willed. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So let's talk about Queerful, your website. Perfect. Um, What, what got you, what inspired you to start Queerful? So Queerful started um, about two years ago now. I was on set and I was just really annoyed about the lack of control I had by introducing LGBTness into the workplace. Um, so basically I created this website called Queerful and I called it Queerful because in the 60s, uh, people used to say to others, stop being so queerful. It's, the meaning behind it is to not be queer in a space where it shouldn't be allowed. Um, and platform for everyone whether you're straight queer intersex whoever you want to be it is for you and i want allies and straight people to come to the site to also learn and to for it to be a space where they don't feel ashamed or embarrassed or feel like they're going to fuck up queerful is a space to have uncomfortable conversations and eventually learn and so i want everyone to sit in that discomfort because it's not a bad thing um it's beautiful to learn and to get knowledge and it's a space where I can interview whoever I want, share their stories, whether that's in the form of written interviews, video interviews, podcasts, um, also give them education in regards to film and TV. So every Sunday I have my Sunday film club where I review a queer film or TV show and recommend them basically. Um, and I think it's been super lovely and I love it. Um, the response has been really gorgeous and I'm just excited to see where it goes and I have no real expectations, but I just want it to be a space where people feel safe first and foremost. Yeah. And you're developing a podcast. I am. Can you talk Uh, about it yet? I can. So it's really exciting. Um, I basically have been in talks with a production company and they are helping me develop my first podcast uh, where it's, it's going through a lot of creative changes, which I love. This whole process is so exciting. Um, so I can't say too much about it, but 
is obviously queer. And um, yeah, I'm excited for you guys to listen. It should be out in the next six weeks. Oh, yay! I know. But yeah, big things. Great. Big things, big things. And so what can people do to support Queerful? Just like and follow and share the content. Um, a lot of times when I write for Queerful, it's things that are very topical. So, for example, I wrote an article about the biphobia or Married at First Sight. And I think it's important for people to share that content so it reaches a wider audience. Um, I want people to understand the impact that media has on queer people. Uh, so if you just follow and appreciate the content, that'll be everything to me. Love that. That's so good. And you also have a line of T-shirts, which I'm a huge fan of. Yes, yeah. I do. My battery stock. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So good. Cool. So obviously um, representation on screens has been such an important part of this whole process for you. Mm -hmm. How have you felt um, since you started becoming passionate about it? How do you feel it's improved and um where do you think we can go further? I think um, it's definitely come a long way, especially at my last network. They really encouraged me to be opinionated in regards to diversity, which I honestly am so thankful for because it allowed me to trust my voice and know that it is needed within these spaces. Um, so I feel as though any kind of production company needs to ensure that they are hiring people that's going to benefit their products, whether it's an advert, uh, film, TV show. Um, and that comes in the form of hiring diverse people, whether they are queer, whether they're Indigenous, whether they're people of colour. These people need to be in these spaces to make authentic programs. Um, because it's all well and good to have an all straight crew and be telling a gay story. Yeah, great. But is it authentic? No. So let's make sure that we are hiring diversity as well as casting diversity, first and foremost. Um, in regards to Australian television, I think it has a long way to go. Um, it's, I've been in situations where people have told me that, or to stop pushing the queer agenda, essentially. Uh, this is not the TV show for it. Um, this is not the time slot for it. Uh, we get it. We're not discriminated against you. Um, but like, if you're uncomfortable, then we can discuss that. So it's, a, it's definitely put me in a lot of situations where I felt like I have needed to protect their feelings as opposed to protecting my own in order to still have a job. Because I think it's very important for me to be in that space. Um, but I, I really feel as though those superiors or those executive producers or production companies need to check themselves watch what you're saying because by you telling me that we shouldn't be pushing for non-binary people to be on a 5 30 or 7 p.m show that's telling me that i shouldn't be on that show and if you're telling me that um we need to make sure that it is going to uh, be enjoyable for that demographic to watch then are you saying that my life is not worthy of that. Like if, if your demographic is 50 to 70 year old white people in bloody Toowoomba, like amazing, but like they need to obviously have um, people on their screens who are challenging them constantly because we are out in this world and we are living and we also dying and getting bashed and getting discriminated against yeah. daily. So in order for my life to be better, there needs to be authentic representation on that screen to have those conversations. And if those conversations are uncomfortable, why is that? Mm. What are you uncomfortable with? That's right. It's like, oh so um, that's my biggest thing at the moment. Don't try and silence me because you're uncomfy with the conversation because that's not gonna get us anywhere. And I'm gonna remember this. When I'm executive <laughs> producer, I'm gonna remember this conversation <laughs> and yeah, make my decisions. Yeah. Yeah, nice. 
I mean, I was literally about to ask though, well, what's your biggest, what's your best bit of advice for cishet people? And that's probably it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's the thing, like, we're not trying to hurt you. We're not trying to um, embarrass you. We just want to be with you. Mm. And I think that's a, that's the end goal. We just want to be in the same room and not feel as though it's awkward. Because yeah. it's not. Or it doesn't have to be. Mm. I mm. love that. Mm. I feel like that's surely helping people's understanding or just yeah. acceptance. Well, I, I think so. it's, well, yeah, going back to the, the representation thing, it's about, for the, and the, the demographic that you described in Toowoomba, <laughs> it's about normalising it so that people are represented and and there is mm. no um, uncomfortable, mm. you know, no one's uncomfortable. No one feels uncomfortable. No. So if we don't represent that on screens and in stories and, you know, how how is that going to get any better? Yeah. Hello. Mm. Exactly. Mm. And that's a – I used to have a conversation with my queer friend because I would always have this discussion with him where I'd say we need to normalise queerness. And he'd be like, why? Like, I love that we're just like this um, subculture or whatever you want to describe it. And I was like, no, it's not okay because you're straight passing. Me and my siblings aren't. Yeah. So as soon as we normalise our existence, mm. then we're going to be safer at the end of the day. Yeah. And I think if you put us in on a game show, if you put us on a, on a love show or any kind of show and you tell our story in a really sweet way, in the way that it should be, people are going to love us for us mm. and want to be a part of our world. Um, yeah. yeah. It's part of that, like what you were talking about with what you were casting, that you enjoy casting with the living room is mm. it's seeing it from a story-led place, not a visual representation place because it's exactly. so easy to judge on a on a look. But mm. if it's story-led, you fall in love with the people and that's what people need to see. Exactly right. You had a yeah. big win on that show actually with mm. your yeah. casting. Do you want to talk a bit about wins. that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I'm very proud of that season um, and the people we got on that show. Um, in regards to the LGBT community, I got a trans woman from Wagga Wagga on the show, which was incredible. Mm. And the way that we told her story is that yes, she's trans, but that's not her identifier. She's a trucker in Wagga, and she has built this amazing community. And she created the first Mardi Gras in Wagga because she didn't want to leave and go to the big city so she felt safer. She demanded her safety to be in that town where she grew up and she made that happen. So what I wanted to do is celebrate that story and give back to her and give her a safe space uh, where she can just continue to flourish. We also had a non-binary couple on the show. Uh, we've had multiple queer people on the show, but even in regards to people of color, like my biggest thing is to just make sure that we have diverse cast all around. Mm. Um, and so minimizing, I'm gonna, <laughs> I don't know how to say this, but minimizing white people on TV is like my biggest, my, I love it. <laughs> we are always like, how, how many, um, like how, I, I don't know how to say it either. How can we not cast so many white people? Yeah. Exactly. We'll How do we do that? Ensemble and be like, too white. Yeah, too, too white. white. Go again. Yeah. Keep going. <laughs> exactly. Boring. Yeah. And yeah. I think, don't know if people or casting people know how to get diversity. They're like, mm. oh, they're not applying. So we mustn't be casting them. I'm like, well, if they're not applying, make Go them find them. Safe. Go find them. Like, mm. these people obviously don't feel welcomed on these shows because they don't see themselves on these mm. shows. So why mm. would they apply? Yeah. Go out and find them. Build that trust. Build a relationship. And share a story that they want to share, not something that you want to produce for them. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I'm very proud and I love that show so much. Um, and I now it's just like moving on to the next thing and hopefully just continue doing this work and mm. um, making sure there is correct, authentic representation. And in regards to authentic representation, I touched on it earlier, but we need to make sure that we are hiring Indigenous producers to tell Indigenous stories because it's not authentic for even like for me, especially to tell an indigenous story. Like I, I don't feel comfortable doing that because it's not my story to share. So I think um, broadcasters need to hire mm, yeah. diverse people again. Like it's just makes so much sense to me, but I think mm. other people don't 
hasn't registered yet. Mm. You're just going about your business, leaving your sandy mark everywhere until oh, everyone so. learns. I know. It's so good. You just need to keep hopping between everyone and leave your yeah. mark. I hope so. And yeah. I hope people respect making, it. <laughs> yeah, well, you're making waves and it's really important. Oh, my God, yeah, because you're not even 30. No, I'll be Look, 30 next month, actually. Yeah. Look at all the things you've achieved. Yeah. Thank you. Very incredible. It's, yes. Um, yeah. I didn't get a 30 under 30 award like you two, though, but <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> hey, there's still time. You've got one month. You've got a month. Yeah. <laughs> get it in. <laughs> you can borrow mine for a month. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> um, yeah. All right. Well, should we go into rapid fire? Yes. Let's okay. round it out. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So we're going to go into a bunch of rapid fire questions. Amazing. Be ready. Be ready. I am ready as I ever be. <laughs> okay. Where do you see yourself in five or ten years' time? I see myself having my own TV show that I am exactly producing, acting in, writing. That's where I see myself. Ah, oh, love it. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, if there is one thing you could change about the world with a click of your fingers, what would it be? Ooh. Um, oh, my God. I sound like a bloody Miss Australia. Uh, Equality. Yeah. <laughs> but like legit though. Like yeah. I want yeah. equality. Yeah. Love that. What is the what is a valuable piece of advice you've been given in your career? Trust yourself and don't take no for an answer. Again, that's like quite cliche, but the moment that you trust your voice, it's unstoppable. Like you want to go and go and go and go. Great. Love it. Uh, your most irrational fear. Um, I guess snakes, like even walking down Cooks River, I'm like checking my fucking side eye. I'm like, where are they? Like constantly. And I'm in the city. Like it doesn't make sense, but yeah, the snakes for sure. Uh, and our final one that we ask everyone is who would you cast as yourself in a film about your life? The only person I can think of is myself. That's it. The most fabulous option. (laughs) Exactly. There's no other option. That's so good. (laughs) This has been so good. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been my pleasure. I love you both. Thanks for having me. We We love love you. you. Thank you. That's the end of the episode. So we hope you enjoyed it and... Don't forget to like, subscribe, follow, and comment, share, whatever you do. Um, so tell your people. people. Yeah, tell your people so other people can also benefit from the clusterfuck that is Stefan Al. See you next time. Bye.